Welcome to New Piney Grove Baptist Church, where one of our core values is Christian education. Let's tune in to this week's message. I'll be glad when I'm grown. Or it may have been said, I'll be glad when I grow up. More than likely, all of us have said it. Some of us couldn't say it for fear, but we sought it. In one form or another, we have said it. But when we got grown, when we were on our own, it was a whole different story. We made some discoveries, did we not? We discovered that money don't grow on trees. We discovered that work was hard. And that dream job that we desired became a reoccurring nightmare. We dread Monday mornings. See, and another thing, too, and this is for some of y'all to get hooked up on people. We find out that that one person we just couldn't live without is living without us quite well. And then, when we had chillings of our own, we find out they were not always appreciative for the sacrifice we made for them. And when we made a decision that they questioned or decision that they didn't like, we heard them saying words that we said when we were children. I'll be glad when I'm grown. There's a biblical principle here. We will reap what we sow. But our text teaches us that there's an advantage that the young people have over us old folk. Jesus himself said, he said that a childlike heart, mind, spirit, and attitude is necessary to enter into the kingdom of God. It's important that we understand the background behind this text. You see, the background of this text focuses squarely at the heart of the family. The religious leaders came to Jesus as he was teaching about the coming kingdom. They asked Jesus a question in order to trap him. The question was centered around divorce. They asked him, what are some of the reasons that I can divorce? You see, in that day, things were quite different. One of the things that the Old Testament people of God would do when they didn't want to be married anymore, they would take a trip. Sometime never come back. Or they would take a family trip and leave their family on vacation while they came back. Many women became widows by proxy. 
children were scattered all kinds of ways. And so this question struck at the heart because a lot of people was concerned about this issue. So they asked, Master, teacher, what reason, and I'm going to put it in the way they intended, can I divorce my wife? And Jesus responded, there was none. With the exception of marital unfaithfulness, which breaks the marriage covenant. But the Pharisees challenged Jesus' assessment by reminding him of Moses' law. Moses' law had something to say about divorce. And it gave specific reason that's not in the original plan of God. And Jesus explained it was because of the hardness of your heart. Because you were willing to let that woman stay in an unforbidden country because you didn't want it anymore. Even to the point that you might even do her harm just to get free. So Moses, because he had a heart for life, said, if you don't want her, just let her go. Disciples were confused about that. They said, well, you know, it's best not even to marry if I can't get out of it. Even if I got reason. And Jesus reminded his disciples of God's original plan for marriage. He said, marriage was ordained by God and what God has joined together, no man can undo. Can you hear the applause now as Jesus has confronted these people who were trying to make excuses about destroying the family? These heartless men. Jesus' word was profound. Many who heard these words were amazed. Jesus' word gave hope to a lot of wives of the future. No longer did they fear being left on the road and abandoned by a disgruntled or dissatisfied husband. They felt a sense of freedom from guilt because oftentimes the husband would make them feel guilty about stuff they did or didn't do. So they had a sense of freedom because now they recognized that they would not simply be divorced just because they burnt the toast. Just because they didn't make the bed up military style. Just because the coffee was not hot enough. Now I'm not making these up. These are things that these men would divorce these women for. Just because she uncovered her face when he told her not to. So these women now had new hope from the words of Jesus. And these mothers especially. Many of them had kids that a lot of people have said they were illegitimate when they really were not. The husband just used that as an excuse to divorce them. So this leads us to our text. Mark 10, 13 starts off with then. See, after all these events, all these things that Jesus said, and these women now have hope. So then they brought little children to him that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. 
These children were probably about the age of our children's church between the ages of four and ten. Some might have even been younger. Now, now, I want you to get this now. The disciples thought they were acting right. They, they believed they had good and teachers. Jesus had been walking through the land healing people and delivering people from, from demonic spirits. People were coming by the groves to get to Jesus and all of a sudden, here come these mamas with all these babies. So they viewed the mother's action as a distraction. Can I put up here before I come back? Now I know that we got a lot of babies in our congregation. And I don't have no problem with that. When they cry, I ain't got no problem with that. I know some of y'all might. They're not a hindrance to me. But they could be to a lot of people. And rightly so, maybe we should ask them to go and take them to the nursery so other people can hear the message. But we don't need to throw the baby out with the bath water. But, but these, these, these disciples felt that they were a hindrance to Jesus' mission. In other words, Jesus, how in the world are you going to heal these sick folk? How are you going to cast out these demons when you mess around with babies? So they rebuked these mothers. And this word in the Greek language for rebuke is very, very strong. It means to strongly scold. Some of you people with military background, you can get the modern day term. It really means they chewed these mothers out. In verse 14 says, but. But then... Jesus saw it. He was greatly displeased and said to them, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them for such is the kingdom of God. Now I read that that way just to bring our point because that's not the way Jesus said it. When Jesus saw it, it said that he was greatly displeased the King James used the verse indignant. And this word means to have strong, righteous anger. In fact, it's the only place in the Bible that Jesus said to be indignant. He wasn't even indignant when they were messing up his father's house. He made whipped and drove them out. But here, he's indignant. Now let me give you an idea of how he, how he said, let the children alone. Let them come to me. Don't forbid them from coming. Because such is the kingdom of God. But the question is, why, why was Jesus so upset? I mean, after all, the disciples were only trying to help him. The reason is because of the heart's and the mind and attitudes of these little ones is the same hearts, mind, and attitudes necessary to be part of the kingdom of God. I found verse, verse 15 says, Surely 
Oh, very, very, I say unto you, whosoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter in. Here Jesus explained the qualification for entering the kingdom. We break it down. A, a little, little child accepts what is given as a gift. They don't exert claim that they own it or the rights that it belongs to me. To enter the kingdom, a person must accept salvation as a gracious gift. Why, why, why is childlikeness necessary? Let me give you five reasons that the Holy Spirit was dealing with me about. First of all, they recognize their limitations. Have you ever thought about a child is not born six feet, 200 pounds, or five, four, 115? Born as a baby. And when a baby needs something, it knows it's limited. So it stretches its hand out. Because it's limited. Saw something on Facebook the other day. I showed it to my wife. Now I don't look at Facebook that much, but every once in a while I go in there. I saw this little baby in Pampers trying to get in the refrigerator. And here's this dog. Some of y'all saw that, didn't you? He climbs up on this dog's back and he opens the refrigerator. Then he opens the freezer. And the reason I showed the air and I said, now, this baby is smart enough to climb up on the dog, open the refrigerator, but he's smart enough to say, I want to go to the pot. <laughs> this pamper was just hanging <laughs> like it was food. But he recognized his limitation. He could not reach the handle of the refrigerator by itself, so he got some help. Even if it was just from the family pet. Second reason that child likeness is necessary because they understand their inability. They're just not capable of doing certain things. You have to feed a baby. And they recognize they can't feed themselves, so they cry to get your attention. In other words, they're saying, I need you. Third reason is they embrace their dependency. Sometimes a little child needs help when they're dressing or undressing. We teach them to tie their shoes they depend upon us to make the right decision to buy those shoes and to buy those clothes. Number four, they accept the fact that others are responsible for their care. My son and my granddaughter never worried about what was in the refrigerator. I should say it this way. They worried about what was in there. They didn't worry about how it got there. Yeah. 
And if I bought or Ann bought off-brand Cheerios, and they saw the box, they complained. But when she put it in a plastic container, they couldn't tell the difference. They hear me anyway. that you got to work in order to buy it to get it in there I just know it's there that's not something I lose sleep over and finally they acknowledge that someone else have authority over them at least they did in my day kids didn't raise adults adults raised the kids and they recognized who had the authority and even now I believe that's what young Minds do. As I began to look at this three o'clock in the morning that God always deal with me, I said, Okay, God, what can I convey to these young folks and the not so young folks about these qualities that are in the kingdom? And He really just took me back to my childhood, an old childhood game called Simon Says. It was okay to do whatever you were told to do as long as it was preceded by Simon said. I was then to look to find out who in the world is Simon. So I'm challenging you young people today. You can still do whatever you want to do as long as Jesus says. Now, how do you find out what Jesus said? By getting into his word. Little children are taught how to worship. They naturally mimic adults and parents. See, this is going to apply to worship since that's our theme this month. This is going to apply to worship when we talk about Simon said. We say things like, stand on your feet. They stand up. If we tell the little children to lift your hands, they lift their hands. If we tell them to say hallelujah, they just say hallelujah the best way they can. But then they grow up. And see, here's the youth message today for the children. See, you grow up and something happened and your worship becomes vain. As I said earlier about taking ownership of you Sunday, You know, you can have rappers, you can have singers, dancers, you can have all those things in the church. And we did do that one time, Joseph. But these young people grew up. They got cute. So now when you say shout, you get a, hey, When you say, come, let's rock the place, they look at another and say, you going to rock? 
I don't know. You gonna rock? You say get loud. It all depends on who's on my road. So when you end up saying stand on your feet to praise God. They grown now. When you say lift your hand in adoration to God, I'm grown now. You can't tell me what to say or what to do. Many of y'all know that when I was in the world, I was a temptation fan. And some of these records y'all don't know because y'all really wasn't a Temptation fan. Y'all just like the Temptation. Another group, Undisputed Truth, also wrote a song, these words. And while the title is unbiblical, there is something I want you to think about. It's called You Make Your Own Heaven or hell right here on earth. Written by Barry Whitfield. And I just want to read you some words. Because I think this is what happened. When you get grown. It says born into the world as a baby. Your mind is clear as the air. And then they have a little segment. The time passes. You learn to walk and talk. Time passes. You learn right from wrong. Time passes. You leave home seeking a life of your own. Time passes. And your values change. That part has always stuck with me. And when I got saved, it had a different meaning. Your values change. Life become a strange, confusing game. Now you're standing at the crossroads of life to satisfy your own personal wants. And then the song asks the question, will you do right or will you do wrong? You must admit the words are true. But the final decision is up to you. So, if I was in children church with Anya right now, I would tell those kids, don't grow up too soon. And your values about God change. That's the problem. Some of y'all are too grown to worship. Thanks for listening. We pray that you have been blessed by the message. Visit us on the web at npgbc.org for contact information, service times, or directions to our place of worship.